The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, here we go. It is finally here. The U.S. debut of Britain's Anthony Joshua, the unified heavyweight champion of the world, coming to the United States, fighting in Madison Square Garden. And we look forward to talking about that and everything else that's going to be happening this weekend. In the sweet science, in the boxing, I am your somewhat capable host. It is great to be here, and it is great to be joined by the guests that you're about to hear from here in just a little bit. We will talk with the former undisputed light heavyweight champion of the world. It's going to be Tarver time. Antonio Tarver will reappear here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. His son, Antonio Jr., just winning a fight last weekend on the PBC card show on Fox in Biloxi, Mississippi. He wants to talk about that. He wants to talk about that thunderous right hand by Deontay Wilder that knocked off Dominique Brazil inside of one round back a couple of weeks ago for the WBC Heavyweight Championship. And of course, Tarver will have thoughts on Anthony Joshua defending the WBA, WBO, and IBF belts against American challenger Andy Ruiz. What kind of chance does Ruiz have? We'll we'll ask uh, Antonio Tarver about all of this here in a little bit. Also on the program, as he customarily is, we go back Across the pond, across the Atlantic, to the UK and England's David Payne, a.k.a. the boxing writer. Such great insight from him, especially on the British and English fighters. And you know it's right in his wheelhouse. He'll be talking about Anthony Joshua and this latest title defense of the belts, the uh, the unified heavyweight championship that he has now owned for the better part of two-plus uh, years. Joshua will be stepping in uh, here to uh, defend Uh, All of those championships for the fifth time now against Ruiz, who is a late replacement after Jarrell Big Baby Miller tested positive for not one, not two, but three banned substances and was booted off the fight card back a couple of months ago. Ruiz, who was just in the ring in late April, we'll talk about this a little later on in the podcast, is now the replacement. What kind of threat will he be against Joshua? Uh, Does Joshua have to be spectacular to match what Deontay Wilder did. I'm going to put that to David Payne as well. So the boxing writer will be here with some thoughts, and we'll talk some historical perspective of great heavyweights and great bouts at Madison Square Garden in the past. That famed arena in New York City, arguably the most famous venue in all of sports, certainly one of the most famous boxing venues in the whole world. Anthony Joshua coming to the U.S. for this matchup, for this showdown at MSG. DAZN will be televising coming on Saturday. And then Marquise Johns will be here from BigFightWeekend.com. Always have him on the podcast. Always love his insight. We'll get his opinions about whether Joshua has to deliver the same way that Deontay Wilder did a couple of weeks ago. What he thinks about that. And then there's some other fight action this weekend, too. Marquise is always all over it. He is such a, a great follow at Weak Sauce Radio. Love the the inside. I say this all the time. Love the inside joke on the Twitter handle. Follow Marquise at Weak at Weak Sauce Radio. Weak Sauce Radio for him. And and obviously you can follow the Big Fight Weekend website, BigFightWeekend.com, and follow on Twitter at Big Fight Weekend. The same with Facebook. And however you found this podcast, make sure you subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. The podcast will come automatically to you, typically out on Friday in the preview mode for the weekend at whatever point on Friday in the morning, in the early afternoon that the podcast is up. 
ding, it goes in your inbox on your phone, on your iPad, on your device if you subscribe. So look for Big Fight Weekend in the iTunes Store, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you find those podcasts, subscribe to us, and you won't be disappointed with uh, with all the different guests that we have. So that's what we have laid out in front of you. Primarily, it's the Anthony Joshua title defense. Is it another knockout coming for him? Uh, Joshua has been on a roll, 22 wins, 21 knockouts, the lone decision, a Joseph Parker 12-round unanimous decision in March of 2018. He has defended the title with a TKO over Alexander Povetkin back last September and now has been off since then. So roughly about a a nine-month layoff here to fight again in June against Andy Ruiz here in this showdown on Saturday night. And before we get to the interviews, a reminder, uh, partake in our sponsor, Vivid Seats, and the Vivid Seats mobile app. If you are looking for tickets at MSG, and they may be hard to come by, I was just checking a little while ago in the preview mode, that lower-level tickets still available uh, secondary market through Vivid Seats, but it's going to cost you at least a hundred bucks in some U.S. and maybe in some cases 150, 175 to sit in the lower level. Now, if you're talking ringside, if you're talking for Anthony Joshua's U.S. debut up around the ring, you may be paying upwards not just of a thousand dollars, but three thousand dollars a seat, and those seat prices may go up as we get closer to fight time Saturday night late. So right now, check it out on Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app. Uh, a fantastic customer service, 100% guarantee on your purchase. Go to Vivid Seats and use the promo code BIGFIGHT10. It is our specific promo code for the website and the podcast. BIGFIGHT10 will give you 10% off your, your first order, your initial order with Vivid Seats. Take 10% off, and that savings is up to 50 bucks. So again, if you're looking to sit in the lower level, uh, here for this one, you can easily save 15, 20, 30 bucks on your ticket, on your on your pair of tickets, uh, etc. Et uh, by going to the Vivid Seats mobile app and using that promo code Big Fight Weekend. I saw that some of the upper upper level tickets in the 300 uh, kind of mezzanine standing area or the 400 level, 40, 50 bucks. I don't know what kind of vantage point you really have up that high. Again, if you're looking for the lower level, go use our friends at Vivid Seats. Use the promo code Big Fight 10. All right, so there you go. We are ready to set the stage. Great guests coming and much more here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Let's get it started with Joshua Ruiz coming up. Okay, I know I'm doing something right on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast because this guy still returns my text message and my phone call. He is the former <laughs> light heavyweight champion of the world. Love me some Tarver time. Antonio Tarver is here with me to talk all things, including eventually give me a thought on Anthony Joshua's uh, title defense debut in New York coming Saturday night. But first, welcome, champ. And I know you're smiling even though I can't see you because Antonio Tarver <laughs> Jr., victorious yeah. last Saturday night in his latest professional fight. How are you, sir? Oh, TJ, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, man. And glad to be back from Biloxi, Mississippi. And as you mentioned earlier, Junior got the win. I was uh, extremely proud of him. He fought very impressively. And the one thing that stood out was his conditioning, TJ. I mean, he went eight rounds like a breeze. He wasn't tired, wasn't breathing. He had a lot of gas down the stretch. And that's what we wanted to see because he was in there with a, a real seasoned guy that uh, had a, uh, a, a lengthy amateur career who had been a J.O. national champion. So, you know, Junior didn't really have a long amateur career. So I was kind of, you know, going into the fight 
I knew Junior had to cross his teeth and dot his eyes because I was concerned about the kid's amateur pedigree. Because, you know, I'm not really worried if, you know, a, a, a fight breakout, I'm good, but it's that technical fighter right. that you kind of want to, you know, you tend to worry about, the guys that know his X's and O's in the ring. But Junior has himself very, very well. Uh, he pressed the fight. You know, so, uh, definitely a lot of things that we, we're going to need to work on and improve, and that's always. You know, we always go back to the drawing board, see how we can become better and get better. So there's a little things that definitely stood out. But overall, I give him a, a, a B plus on his performance because jumping from four rounds straight to eight isn't hard by any stretch of the imagination. If you've ever put on those gloves and been in that ring, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, you know, I congratulate and commend him on doing that because that wasn't easy for a guy that don't have that long amateur background and, uh, you know, history. So I was thrilled to death, and, man, we're on to the next. He's already excited about getting back in the gym. And uh, the most important thing is we got to get him busy, TJ, man. we got to keep him busy. And um, I'm crying out to all these promoters around here locally in Tampa, man. If you've got a show on, you know, and put these young guys on, man. I mean, locally, that can bring a, a local crowd and that we can build these local guys up so that they can be national presence, you know, have a national right. presence. But it has to start right here from Tampa. And, man, I've been seeing just too many times that they're putting on shows but even the bigger name local guys aren't on the show. I mean, do yourself a service. Let's bring these guys together. Let's move these guys, you know, collectively, and we can build something great here in Tampa. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that we had a championship community before when we had the likes of Jeff Lacey, Winky Wright, and myself, you know, uh, you know, wearing these world title belts simultaneously. You know, the community, everybody was involved. And, and I think we still have that when you look at, guys like Keith Thurman, yep. you look at guys, you know, uh, these young guys coming up like Tommy Jr., Ivan Franco, just to name a few. I mean, hey, these are the guys that are going to be the future. And so we need to get behind these guys and support these young men today. Love uh, love the insight and the promotional part of it, too, from Antonio Tarver. Always selling. It's always Tarver time. I love I love that. <laughs> uh, you, you experienced the greatest thrill in the ring of being a world champion as a professional. Where does it rank to be in the corner with your son? I know he didn't win a world title, but to be in the corner with your son when he's winning a title fight, how rewarding is that for you? Well, you know, it's just a dream right now, you know, but it's, you know, anything that you can see yourself becoming, you have to work. That work part has to get there. You know, winning that title is going to be good if we can get there. I want him to take it one fight at a time because, you know, a lot of times, you know, we get derailed along the way if we don't have that tunnel vision type focus. So right now, it's very delicate times that his mind, his mental approach stays connected on the prize and you can't look past anybody one bad night, you know, we have to get right back to the drawing board. So we want to make sure that we just continue to build on this victory, looking forward to the next challenge, and keeping him ready to go at all times. But I can only imagine how great that'll feel just by the, just enjoying the victory that we had, you know, this past Saturday. You know, it's something I'm looking forward to, and I want to continue to push him and stand with him as I guide and direct him to the title. And I'm hoping one day we can live that dream out, man. It's going to be tremendous. And uh, that's what I'm working for, to make sure that he gets everything he deserves and everything he's willing to work for. 
So the sky's the limit for Junior, man, and I'm just excited for Tampa. I'm excited for Orlando and that, you know, we're going to recreate this magic right here in Tampa all over again. He is the magic man, too. That was the that was the moniker uh, in the day, probably still is, too. I, I still remember the promotional photos for you, speaking of promoting, in the magic top hat uh, with, the, with, the, with the magic cane and the wand and the whole thing. I love it. From Antonio Tarver uh, here with me as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Okay, we have been talking, uh, and everybody has been buzzing, about yeah. that one-punch first-round KO by Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber. Uh, one of your fellow wow. Olympians. Uh, I saw your post on social media. I, I, I mean, you're, I yelled out. When I saw the punch, I yelled out and almost woke the house up. What was your reaction, <laughs> your live reaction, when he landed that punch on a 6'7", 250-pound Dominic Brazil and laid him out, Antonio? And, you know, like I told you, man, it, it, I haven't seen that type of one-punch devastating knockout power since the great Iron Mike Tyson was knocking guys out every week, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of power that Wilder is bringing to the table. And not only is he bringing that power, if you notice, the way he stepped in, he, he had timing behind that shot. It wasn't that he was just – he threw that shot with precision. He stepped in and dropped that hammer on, that, on, on Brazil and it was perfectly executed. And that's the danger I see in Wilder as he continues to show these people that he's a freak of nature when it comes down to his power. I mean, hey, I can't wait. And this will be the biggest heavyweight fight in recent times. Yeah. I don't, you know, when you look at everything at stake, two undefeated knockout punchers, I mean, I don't know if it ever been this, you know, it's been this big in the last 20 years. You know, uh, Lennox Lewis, maybe Clisco, maybe, but this is going to be something because both of these guys are at the top of their game. Wilder and AJ, man, they're on a head-on collision, and I just want to have the best seat in the house when it takes place. I hope to be commentating it. (laughs) That's going to be one for the ages, man. I just can say it. And you really don't know who's going to win that fight. You, You know, really the first guy who hurts the other guy you know, you can tip your hat and say, could A.J. get off the ground if Wilder put a right hand on him like that? Or could Wilder stand up to the power of A.J., the same punishment he gave Klitschko? I mean, it's a pick em fight. That's why it has to go down. I you keep, know, it has to go down. Sure, I keep saying, I have been saying, I've said it again on this podcast, Wilder getting to go first, almost like a batting order like the leadoff hitter, and having a spectacular knockout like that, and you already knew Joshua was having his U.S. debut two weeks later. It's this Saturday night, Madison Square Garden. Is there added pressure on Joshua to be spectacular and go for the big knockout in the first or second round to match Wilder? What do you say, Antonio Tarver? No, 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 not at all. If that's where his head is at, he, you know, he's he's really going down the road the wrong road because you know everything is different. It's because he was so successful against Brazil. Stars make fights. And if he go and struggle against Andrew Ruiz, even though Andrew Ruiz was never an Olympian, you know, he was a guy that, you know, came straight from, you know, the mud when it comes to boxing. He built himself up. He has shown his commitment and dedication. Now, he's a wild card, but wild nonetheless, because this is this guy's everything. You feel me? If this is his chance of a lifetime. How many people walk into 
a chance of a lifetime. So, you know, you, everything is on deck for him. He never imagined a million years that he'll get the call. So, you know, they're, you know, somehow they got to, you know, adjust to what's going on. Madison Square Garden, biggest night of boxing. You know, Ruiz has never been on this stage before. So he's going to have to just take it as it comes. But I'm telling you, every fighter at a stage like this has a puncher's chance because the guy is training. He knows what he's facing. You know, he knows that, hey, I'm not going to be able to box this guy round for round. So you can expect Ruiz to come out and try to get something off real early because the longer this fight goes, the worse I believe it gets for Ruiz because he's going to have to make something happen in the first two or three rounds if he want to really shock AJ and put him in that mode of, you know, survival. He's going to have to hit him with something big early to shake AJ to his boots, and maybe he panicked, you know, at that time. Other than that, I don't see how AJ loses this fight. I really don't. You know, he, uh, but he can lose this fight by taking uh, Andrew Ruiz lightly. And if you look at the pictures that are floating around on the internet, man, AJ looks like the Hulk. This man has put on his neck. You know, his neck looked like Mike Tyson. He's gotten so muscular that it's surprising if he's going to be able to have the flexibility and the mobility to move around for 12 long rounds. You know, again, that is that could be a play for Andrew Take him deep. Let's see if he's in that championship condition. I believe he's not because, you know, it's just hard to get up for, you know, uh, and release, which on paper poses no threat, you know, other than he has two hands and two feet just like AJ. So, you know, it's a tricky fight, man. And, and, you know, if AJ don't approach it like he should, as if he trained like, you know, he's fighting Wilder, he could get surprised early on and find himself in a little trouble because we know Andy's going to come out and throw the kitchen sink. You can imagine he's going to do that. That's the only chance he got is to throw the kitchen sink at this guy and see if he can hurt him with something, TJ. Well, uh, let's see how that one plays out. You mentioned a big punch or perfect punch, like what Wilder landed, like what Joshua hopes to land, and you know where I'm going with this. May 15th, 2004. (laughs) I cannot believe that was 15 years ago. I'm getting old. You're not old. You landed that kind of perfect punch against Roy Jones Jr., what we don't know what that is like. You lived it, you did it. What is that moment like when you landed one bomb straight left hand and dropped Roy Jones, knocked him out with one punch, stood there for a minute, raised your arms in victory, et cetera? What is that moment like? I mean, it's surreal, man. It's it's like one of those out of body experiences. You know, you work your whole life for that moment and then to just put your stamp on it. And it was just a feel-good moment, TJ. I still get goosebumps, man. But uh, <laughs> it just goes to show you, man, that you can you can come from what whatever adversity that, that life's in you, man. You can come and pick yourself up, and you can go to the top. You just got to believe in your ability, man, and believe that it was meant for you. I did that, and I wasn't looking back. And I'm trying to really, in, you know, instill that in my son right now that he can become anything he want, man, but he's going to have to be willing to work hard for it. I was willing to work hard for it. I made all my dreams come true, and I'm still working toward that now, man, you know, just to be better than I was yesterday. And that's all, man. But, yeah, I I feel good about my accomplishment. Like I said, it it was a a lot of years in the making. And, man, it it just – I want any young fighter out there to have the, you know, 
the uh, ability to just know that they too can do it, man. But uh, like, it's not easy. It's not going to, don't expect anyone to give it to you, but you got to be willing to go take it. And I was willing to do that. When I look back on my career, TJ, I, I look and say, man, you know what? I can show on paper where I was willing to take the risk that none of those fighters were willing to take to, to become the fighter that I, that I became. So, you know, you can't be afraid to take risks, man. you got to be willing to roll the dice. And, 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 you know, that's what I think separates me from the rest, man. I, I just had no fear of taking that big risk and just saying, hey, if I do it, I do it. If I don't, I don't. But I'm not going to be afraid. And I'm not going to let nobody tell me I can't become a great champion. I did that. So uh, I'm looking forward to, man, next week. And this is a, re- a part of that history. You know, my good. My great trainer, Buddy McGurk, got inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame. I still don't know if he's getting inducted as a fighter or a trainer or both. It don't matter. <laughs> he's going in. He's going in. And I'm going to be there by his side to see him inducted. Man, I can't wait. And, you know, uh, Arturo Gotti, rest his soul. Right. Ray Arturo Gotti was another fighter that he trained and I think was instrumental in him becoming a, a Hall of Fame trainer. Uh, Vernon Farge, one of my dearest friends, rest his soul, yep. also uh, left us a while ago. Also was one of the fighters that Buddy McGirt trained and took to the championships. And so, you know, uh, I'm I'm like one of the, the main fixtures of his, his his career that that ran, you know, his, his career run. I'm the only one pretty much left. So I got to be there to stand by my trainer and, and witness his induction, man. And uh, it's going to be a great time. Neat. I was there last year with the great Winky Wright. That was a great time for me. My good buddy Winky got inducted last year. And I'm just thrilled to death to be going back this year as a, a special guest. So if you're in that upper state New York area, Canastota is going down from the 6th through the 9th, the International Box Hall of Fame, the President Ed Brophy, uh, don't miss it, man. It's going to be great if you're in the upper New York State area next week. I'll be there, and all the alumni from the boxing, International Boxing Hall of Fame will be there. So don't miss it. Love it. Love that plug, and love you plugging Winky Wright, who I have much love for, too. All you guys, you mentioned Jeff Lacey, you mentioned one-time Keith Thurman, and, of course, Antonio Tarver. So I can't let you get out of here without telling me a little bit more because you've got the official Antonio Tarver website where if fans want to yeah. meet you, train with you, hang with you, uh, they can do so. All of your speaking engagements, anything that you're doing in the communities uh, in and around uh, Florida, in and around Tampa, Orlando, go to officialantoniotarver.com for the website. And you also have a boxing podcast that is also begun yeah. to as well, much much like this podcast. Tell me more about the podcast. Well, it's something my good friend Alan Jones from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. He's a promoter. I've been knowing him for uh, a while. Uh, his family, uncle, great trainer uh, in the uh, Cleveland uh, area. Uh, so, you know, he came up with the idea he wanted to do a podcast, radio, and he came up with In the Ring with Tarver and Jones. It's something we've been doing now for about – two or three months and i'm excited you know uh we're trying to get to all the big fights and be right there on media row and, and, and get all the luminaries from boxing luminaries from boxing you know the great fighters and the hall of famers and, and put them on that podcast and you know uh people it started actually last year when i interviewed james tony if you remember i posted that up a while ago man it almost went viral people was really calling me and telling me, man, you should do more of this. So, yeah, it was the interview at the Hall of Fame that I did with James Tony last year that really struck, 
you know, a, a, a birth the uh, in the ring with Tarvin Jones, with my partner Alan Jones from Cleveland. And you can uh, listen to the podcast every Monday live from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, and you, on VoiceItRadio.com, VoiceItRadio.com. Follow us on uh, any so, all social media platforms in the ring with Tarvin Jones. You can follow me directly at Antonio Tarver and follow him, AJ in the ring, Alan Jones. And we appreciate your support. Love it. Follow him again at Antonio Tarver, the magic man, and you'll find more about that podcast. That podcast is found wherever you're looking for podcasts in the ring with Tarver and Jones to listen to that. This is the Big Fight Weekend podcast as part of BigFightWeekend.com. Love talking to the former undisputed light heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, a man that is just as proud of having Antonio Tarver Jr. getting his latest professional win last weekend. Love all that. We'll see what Anthony Joshua does this week. Good luck with all this stuff. I keep joking with you off the air before we record the but we got to go hit a golf ball at some point. I know it's hot Let's right now it. in Florida. We got to go hit Let's a golf ball because this man's got a mean golf swing and can putt yeah. uh, as well. I-, I love that about Antonio Tarver. Uh, also, let's get that done, Champ. Thank you. I al- I always love how you clinch interviews. You always say it's a great day to be who? Say it for me. It's a great day to be who? <laughs> the magic man <laughs> it's a great day to be the magic man to be Tarver Antonio Tarver <laughs> thank you DJ have me back for Thurman Pacquiao that, that might be fight of the year man I'm going to be out there in Vegas so let's get back together and we talk Pacquiao Thurman man that's going to be a big Reminder again, Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Go to vividseats.com or use their mobile app for this Joshua Ruiz World Heavyweight Title Showdown at Madison Square Garden on Saturday night. Get those lower-level tickets discounted with the promo code BIGFIGHT10. Remember that promo code at checkout, BIGFIGHT10. A great customer service, 100% purchase guarantee, ticket selection like you're not going to find anywhere else through Vivid Seats with better pricing. Again, the Vivid Seats mobile app, our promo code BIGFIGHT10 saves you 10% off your initial order up to 50 bucks. Again, utilize it if you're looking for tickets for this upcoming Joshua Ruiz fight on Saturday night. Use Vivid Seats. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Rolling along and headed to this heavyweight title showdown. Anthony Joshua's debut coming in the United States Saturday night. Madison Square Garden. Andy Ruiz, Californian, Mexican-American. One loss on his record, but by far... The toughest opponent he's ever seen. The most pressure-packed moment that he's ever had. Will he wilt? Will he fold? Will he be bombed out of there inside of a round or so? We're going to find out. Maybe he contests Joshua somewhat. We're going to find out. To help me decipher this, love the insight. Love the historical perspective. The wisdom of the boxing writer from over in the UK. Here is England's David Payne back with me to wax eloquently and prophetically prior to Joshua Ruiz on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. After all of that verbiage, how are you, my friend? I'm very well. I'm not sure I'm quite up to living to, living up to your introduction. And, I, and I, do, I do wish you'd tell my children I was wise. But yeah, apart from that, I'm all good and good to be back on the show. Yeah. All right. So we have talked so much about 
this fight in theory, what might happen. Comically, David, who's the opponent going to be? Now that Big Baby Miller flunked three drug tests, they finally found an opponent, and here we are. We're about to have uh, Anthony Joshua's U.S. debut, very famed arena that we're going to talk more about, Madison Square Garden. Okay, uh, right off the bat, how intrigued and, and interested are you? Scale of 10, let's say. Are you 7? Are you 8? Are you 10? On the letter, level of interest and intrigue here with Anthony Joshua's U.S. debut? Uh, three. Four, three. Four. Perhaps. Wow, that yeah. surprises me, honestly. Go ahead. Okay, well... It's not the fight we want to see. We know that. It's not even a second-tier fight we want to see, really, is it? Um, I don't think it's any worse than the original Miller fight. Uh, it might even be a shade better. Uh, Miller had the big voice and the big uh, New York accent and his size, but he didn't have a lot else, and I always thought that was a tough sell on a boxing uh, front. Ruiz has got a bit more technical ability than Miller, um, but he's not great to look at. That's not the be-all and end-all, but he's not great to look at. Doesn't look like a pro athlete. Um, And we can expect Joshua to run over him, despite all the protestations about how he has... uh, Ruiz has faster hands than you might expect, and he's going to cause him this problem and that problem. I think that's all part of trying to sell something that is a little bit soggy, to say the least. It's... uh, it's yesterday's chip paper, this kind of fight. It's not It's not what we want to see, and I don't think it's going to be the great fight that Eddie Hearn's trying to tell us it is. And I think that's reflected in the fact that all the questions, all the media has been about the people that Joshua isn't fighting rather than the person that he is. So in your mind, uh, we don't have to go on and on then about this, this will be over quickly and you will be very much surprised if it's not over in a round or two? Is that... An accurate read of my of my hearing of you here at the beginning of this. Um, well, it's always a it's always fraught. It's always a minefield to try and second guess what the psychology of uh, a fighter might be. Uh, I've never put the gloves on in competitive action, and I don't know Anthony Joshua personally. Um, so there are two schools of thought here. Picking up your thread about that you you've asked me before about does he need to make a statement given Wilder's performance last time out? That could enter into it. He might want to to make some sort of knockout statement to grab the viral headlines, as it were, and see his video shared around the world millions and millions of times, like we saw with Wilders. That that could come into it. But I think we've seen a more um, a more studious Joshua, or someone who's trying to be more studious in the way that he fights. Certainly, in the Joseph Parker fight. Uh, and I think, despite that desire to perhaps do this quickly. I think he will probably try and work behind the jab, try and box uh, for the first round or two, try and take the sting out of whatever Ruiz has got. And then I think he'll probably close the show third, fourth, fifth, something like that. Because Ruiz is brave and game. I don't want to discredit him entirely. He will be given the chance to get up if he's put down, and I think he will try. Um, So I'm expecting some heavy shots and Ruiz to take a few, um, but I can't see it going past four or five rounds, if I'm honest. But I, I, I... don't anticipate a first-round blowout. All right, so on that point, as we talk with David Payne here, the boxing writer, he's on Twitter, at the boxing writer. Uh, his site is boxingwriter.co.uk. He's got a preview up there right now on his site of this Anthony Joshua fight uh, to an extent, and also the implications for a possible fight with Deontay Wilder. All right, so on that subject, I just talked with former light heavyweight, undisputed world champ, uh, Antonio Tarver, just before you came on in this podcast. And I said, after that 
a devastating one-punch first-round knockout of Dominic Brazil, do you believe that Joshua has to be equally as spectacular, equally as quickly? And I'll go ahead and say to you, David Payne, you having not heard that interview yet, that he basically dispelled that and said, no, you got to fight your fight, you got to do your thing. But doesn't common sense and public perception and the hype for something down the road say that after what Wilder did with the earthquake-like right hand that shook, that shook the Barclays Center and figuratively shook the boxing world there for a few minutes when he landed that bomb, that if Joshua doesn't do something spectacular, that's advantage Wilder, and I think that's problem for Joshua, especially the longer this fight were to go on when it is such a late replacement. What say you about that? I think I agree with both of you, if that's possible, I think both things can be true. Um, what's most important uh, for Joshua, which is perhaps what Antonio was getting at, is that he needs to win. That's first and foremost. The unbeaten record, preservation of the belts. Those are his negotiating uh, levers in any discussions with um, with Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury, for that matter. Uh, if either of the, if the, if those were to go, then obviously he's got to rebuild and start again. So the, the number one primary goal is to remain unbeaten and if he does that in a horrible 12 rounder he's still he's still there he's still in that discussion however um it's also true to say that perception is reality isn't it um so in the minds of millions of people wilder has perhaps nudged ahead um he's perhaps taken some some high ground with that performance and signing straight away way to fight ortiz whilst leaving an unsatisfied taste for most of us um, is, a, is a difficult match. Is a, it was a fun fight the first time around and, and Ortiz remains one of the top five, six, seven guys in the world. So there's some um, clarity about Wilder's intentions there. Um, and Joshua still has his fight to do, his performance to give and his intentions to, to put out there. And, and you do sense for all the tickets that he's selling, both here in the UK and it would seem over there in the US, there's still a sense that he's he's just lost that um, slight edge in um, public goodwill. There is a sense that uh, he's at least as much to blame for the lack of the Joshua Wilder or the Joshua Fury fights as anybody else when he was winning that argument for a while. But I think um, I think the public genuinely think that they're all of equally to blame and perhaps... Wilder has snuck ahead and people are a little bit more behind him in the belief that he wants those fights more than the other two. Um, so, yeah, it's a melting pot of possibilities, isn't it? Um, it's it, it's drawn out process and let's hope, as we've said many times, we get those the real fights that we want sooner rather than later. But um, I'm not sure what's... Uh, Joshua wants to win by knockout, will win by knockout, um, but winning is the most important thing. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, ultimately, if it does come in the fifth round spectacularly, that'll be the highlight that's played. Uh, we will find out. Again, I, I, I put a very strong opinion out there, and I just believe this. And you can you can look at it in different parts of the world with, with your own bias, your own prism. Obviously, I'm in the United States, uh, so I'm going to have a different viewpoint on Deontay Wilder than I am on Anthony Joshua, who's yet to fight until Saturday night in the United States. But with what Wilder did the other night, it excited people. It excited uh, the mainstream sports fan. It's been on the Internet virally now. 
And and I think he can capitalize on that excitement, especially now with this Ortiz fight signed. If he's spectacular again in that rematch, like he was with Stavern in the rematch with the one-round knockout, it doesn't matter to me if Anthony Joshua has disposed of Andy Ruiz in a round or in two rounds or or who he wants to go back and try to fight at Wembley or the O2 Arena in in this fall, I think the public's going to say to Joshua, if you're not willing to fight Wilder, you're ducking him. You're, you're, you're refusing to fight the best guy you can fight, especially if he's knocking people out. So, again, I come at it from that angle. This is why I love you at the other angle, because the British fan, the British media is saying, well, Joshua beat Klitschko decisively in a fight where he was wobbled earlier and Klitschko was the, the great aging champion. He beat him. He knocked him out. He's dispatched everybody else that he's fought. So he has three of the belts, so Wilder should come to him. I guess it, I guess what I'm saying is it depends on your geography and where you live on what your point of view is to an extent, doesn't it? Uh, I suppose so. Uh, there's two things there. I think the, the pivotal point in all this has been that obviously the reemergence of Fury into this um, – into what was the, the the status quo of Wilder and uh, Joshua. Um, I think the fact that Fury was willing to take that fight and Wilder was willing to take that fight and they put on such a great contest, um, it might not have been everybody's cup of tea, as we say over here, but there was a lot of excitement and, and that too went viral. And that just changed the whole dynamics somewhat in this kind of triangulation now between the three of them. Um, but I think the other factor is that perhaps adds a little bit of weight to what you're saying about the need for Joshua to do something spectacular is of course, this is American debut. So that, you know, the geography thing comes into it too. Um, he's a British fighter fighting in America. So he needs to win fans, doesn't he? He doesn't already have them, so to speak. They have their champion and they're beginning to come around to him and beginning to get behind him when he'd fought in relative obscurity for so long. Um, so he, he's got to win fans and in that, that, New York venue with all the history that's there. Um, perhaps you're right. Perhaps there is a little bit more impetus for him to to give an an aggressive account and to to deal with someone like Ruiz very quickly and uh, pick up that baton of popularity and that sense that he's still the number one guy, which would then build on top of his very credible wins over Povetkin and Parker, which seem to be forgotten. Um, but were very good wins in different ways against credible people. Um, but yeah, the, the Fury coming back also obviously undermined his Klitschko win to some extent because Fury had already done it. So yeah, the, the, it's a changing landscape all the time, isn't it? But uh, these qualifying fights, as I often refer to them, they're never going to be the perfect benchmark. The perfect benchmark is, of course, that they need to fight each other. That's the benchmark we want. And all this is uh, is noise in the meantime, isn't it, until we reach that <laughs> commercial zenith where they'll finally actually do a deal. I always love leaning on David Payne, the boxing writer. He's in England, has great insight at boxingwriter.co.uk. Read him up there. He's a frequent guest here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. And only appropriate, only fitting that we have him here with Joshua Ruiz looming on zone in the United States on uh, on Saturday evening, late night, Saturday night uh, in the U.K., uh, and and in Europe, obviously, for this uh, basically unified heavyweight title fight, WBA, IBF, WBO, uh, heavyweight championship fight that is coming on uh, on Saturday evening. One more with you mentioning Tyson Fury, and then I want to move on to some historical perspective of fights at the Garden and get David's opinion. I might even have him rank a couple of them uh, in a ranking here in a minute. 
uh, to me, uh, Fury is on the outside looking in here. Uh, he, he he went for the money and, and went for the big idea that uh, going with Bob Arum would still get him his rematch but get him a big payday in between. I believe Wilder at this point after the Brazil knockout doesn't have any interest in the Fury rematch in the short term. He was interested obviously in the Ortiz rematch much more because it's a compatible fight to make with the same promotion. I don't believe Wilder, and, I, and I've heard this a little bit from his camp and people close to him, I don't think Wilder has any interest in fighting Fury in the second fight after Brazil either. So the question becomes, can Fury get on the radar of Anthony Joshua this fall, this winter, early 2020, before a potential Wilder fight might happen in 2020? Because if he can't, David Payne, to me, he screwed the whole thing up is the U.S. phrase. He screwed it for himself. Uh, here by walking away from the rematch, and he's going to be locked out of fighting either one of the guys in a mega payday. What do you hear, and what do you think of that? Well, it depends how good they are at PR, which is what so much of this boils down to, um, in the sense of Fury can still sell the line that he's the guy that beat the guy. Um, Deontay Wilder was a second away from winning, but it was also beaten handily for 10 rounds out of 12 against a... Um, rehabilitated but long rusty version of fury um so he's still got that and wilder's um decision or looking the other way away from a fury rematch now and not the lack of interest in it i think speaks also to the fact that he can see that that would be a very difficult fight in which it would be very difficult for him to look good um so yeah it's 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 messy, and I can I can see the train of thought that Fury's locked himself out, but Fury's very good at keeping himself um, relevant, and he's very, and he's fantastic in front of a camera, and he's fantastic in front of a microphone, and I think with the weight that he has behind him and that huge ESPN audience, I think they will be successful in, in keeping his story moving along. And one begins to wonder if there's not all a big cartel behind the scenes that's selling us all these three different stories <laughs> with the full knowledge that they're going to put all this together in another year or two. I'm, I'm always brought back to a, a relatively um, low-key interview that Barry Hearn, obviously Eddie Hearn's dad and the founder of Matchroom Sports, gave some months ago to the BBC uh, when we were still, or it may have even been last year, when we were still in the full Wilder versus Joshua negotiation period. And he came out quite explicitly that their preference was for that fight to take place in 2020. And their strategy has always been to first build Joshua in America and they were hoping to simultaneously build uh, Wilder's name in the UK. Well, Wilder has done that to a large extent off of Joshua's name and also in his own right with these knockout viral videos that we've seen. And obviously Fury played his part in in building the, the recognition of the Wilder brand. Um, so I'm of a mind that 2020 will be when we get one of those fights. It may only be one. We may have to wait another two years for a rematch. Um, but I think essentially it's been the plan all along. So you do wonder if these big cheeses are all talking to each other in the background. <laughs> but the, the only caveat to that was that Barry Hearn more, la- more recently, when talking about this situation, and obviously the great financial backing that all three have got and the fact they're all on three different um uh, viewing platforms so that it may boil down to who blinks first and he said it may be us i don't think it will be but it may be and i think that's uh that, that's kind of the caveat that ultimately someone's going to have to drop out because they can't match the money that the other two will put up and then at that point the fight will happen but until that time we're going to be on three different streams aren't we 
Uh, I will make a prediction, and again, uh, you're making reference to something you wrote about. We encourage the fans to go to boxingwriter.co.uk. We've also linked to David's article where he's talking about this trilogy, this three-way dance, if you will, of of Joshua Wilder and Fury uh, on his site and in a story that he's done recently heading into the weekend here. I, I The prediction I'm going to make, Tyson Fury is going to be the guy to blink. Whatever the we call it the out clause, whatever the get out clause is in that contract with top rank and ESPN and however he can get out of it, he's the guy that's going to have to exercise it. I, I hear you and I hear others and I understand it on the guy that beat the guy. The guy that beat the guy did that four or five years ago. That doesn't mean we have no attention span these days, David. That doesn't mean anything now. Doesn't mean anything now. And the fact that you fought Wilder, but they raised both hands. Ultimately, that doesn't really mean anything either if you didn't want to take the rematch. And he didn't want to take the rematch. And I think he will be the guy that blinks. I think he will be the guy that will look at the out clause in the top rank deal and say, I got to go fight Wilder on his platform or Joshua on his platform to get the mega fight. Because the two of them can fight another opponent or two and then fight each other, and Tyson Fury's completely left out. I, that's my prediction. We're making that prediction on the eve of the Joshua fight here in late May, early June. Let's see how right I am later this year, the spring of next year, if we're all still around, if Tyson Fury is still fighting also Rands and, and who are they types on ESPN. We'll see. We'll see well, what we'll happens. We'll see. I, I, think, I think the other... Um, the other the factor that could come into this and perhaps make that Klitschko conversation more relevant is I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, the grand old granddad come back age mm. 42 or whatever he is and, and re-enter a pretty high level, I'd presume, probably a top tenner and then a t- title shot on the assumption that he can be victorious. And th- that's another go-around that could do the round. So you've got the Fury Klitschko, you've got Joshua Klitschko or can... Or can Wilder do what Joshua and Klitschko uh, Fury couldn't do, and or do it better? There could be another. There could be another angle yet to emerge that could uh, prolong it <laughs> and perhaps change the dynamics. That conversation that you're speaking of. Um, let's just see the damn fight. <laughs> I'm with you. Are you less? I, I'm with you on uh, on this, and you get my sense of humor because we've done this a few times. Are you less interested in Fury and aging Klitschko? or less interested in aging and, and maybe more aging Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather. I don't think anybody's interested in either one of those. United States, United Kingdom, United Airlines, or on Pluto. I don't, I don't know how much the world cares about either one of those fights. We'll, I mean, we'll maybe about to find out, but... I, I, didn't, I didn't care much for watching Mayweather and Klitschko when they were in their prime, so... Uh, yeah, and I know I'll be shot down in flames by purists out there who uh, point to their brilliance, but um, they were tended to be a cure for insomnia. And right. I reckon, recognize their technical ability and their, their longevity, but I was glad when both retired, and I hope they stay that way. Manny Listen Pacquiao, that. I, love that I, can, I can watch, I can continue to watch, but I would sooner he retired soon too. At forty, he shouldn't really be boxing at welterweight at top level, should he? But Hey ho! This the 2019. It's a different world to the 50s and 60s. Very true. All right, a few more moments. David Payne with me. So this fight, historical perspective, Madison Square Garden. We've talked in the past on previous podcasts, but we're in the here and now for the audience hearing us as part of Big Fight Weekend. Reminder to subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found uh, to this podcast, it comes automatically to you. So we we spoke previously kind of about some historical perspective. Ali Frazier is obviously the standard mega fight, the first humongous fight, March of 1970. 
1971. In fact, the exact day, March the 8th, 1971, was Thomas Nelson Reeves Jr., the host of Big Fight Weekend's first birthday. I don't remember the fight being on at my first birthday party. I have to confess, David Payne, but it did take place uh, that night. You you actually prompted me, though. Hey, you're doing a disservice to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano, Madison Square Garden also, when The Rock basically retired Joe Lewis once and for all with a knockout, what, uh, 1951, October 1951. 1951, yeah. How about that? And, uh, but what's, well, amazing. Yeah, both fights, obviously amazing. And I don't think you can top that 71 fight, can you? And everything that it represented in history, social history, and um, the new ground it broke for heavyweight boxing, you know, two unbeaten champions and such. I think um, what's remarkable when you look back at the Joe Louis-Rocky Marciano fight is it took place in October, as you mentioned. Both had fought six times in 1951 before that fight. <laughs> both both amazing. fought six times. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that's a good thing, but it certainly is a fact and it's certainly a fact that it would probably take Joshua and Wilder three years to fight six times, let alone six times before a title fight. So uh, different times, different eras, and it's difficult to make those comparisons. But yeah, the Madison Square Gardens venue, despite all its iterations over the last couple of hundred years, carries a great deal of history in that ring, doesn't it? Hey, another one, and I can't believe this is now 23 years ago, and you you and I go back to, uh, to the 90s, and I know you wrote about that for so long, Tyson wouldn't fight Lewis, Tyson never did get in the ring with Bo, Holyfield fought Tyson, Holyfield fought Lewis, Holyfield fought Bo, so he was kind of the combination, the connection mm-hmm. between them, but a lot of these guys didn't fight, you know, Lewis didn't fight Bo, so, but the Riddick, Bo, Andrew, Golata. Uh, fight the disqualification in the summer of 1996 uh, at Madison Square Garden known more for the absolute mayhem chaos after the low blows were landed and the DQ happened and the riot in the ring not an exaggeration to say it was a riot in the ring and outside the ring that was a Madison Square Garden fight that is known more for the aftermath of the fight than the fight it is it is um, just yeah, to, to think that it's 23 years ago is remarkable. And as, as a great fan, uh, if I don't have an original vested interest, as a great fan of the underdog, I was willing Galutter on. Um, but and he, and he was outboxing. I mean, we talk a lot about the low blows. It's forgotten that really Bo just didn't have an answer for him. It was a remarkable f- performance from a pretty unheralded heavyweight from Poland. Um, but to throw it away in the way that he did, to continue with the low blows when he's seemingly well-placed to win a points, win or even knock out Bo at that point is astonishing but yeah the riot afterwards the, mm. the crack on the head with a mobile phone mobile phones were a very different <laughs> beast back then try telling my kids that you could injure a heavyweight boxer with a mobile phone <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah it's, again it's just a, another chapter in the Madison Square Garden's great history and as you mentioned the common element in in those guys that that great quartet was Holyfield who also at Madison Square Gardens, fought to that draw with Lewis uh, back in '99, which, as you, uh, as we discussed before, we came on it's 20 years ago as well. So it's the time's flying by. Uh, no doubt. So there have been many a heavyweight, interesting fight for so many years at Madison Square Garden. We'll see what Joshua and Ruiz has 
for Saturday. My friend, I always love the insight from the boxing writer David Payne. Plug away for this weekend on where they can keep up with you, social media, the site, etc. Go ahead. Well, thank you, and thanks for inviting me again. It's always a, it's always great fun to catch up with someone of, of a similar age who remembers similar themes. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at the Boxing Writer, and if you want to keep up with my writing, it's um, boxingwriter.co.uk, which occasionally you'll find at bigfightweekend.com. Uh, and if I always try, I've started to try and do this. I don't know if you've noticed this yet, TJ, but if you're taking a peek at the um, the card, this the Joshua card this weekend from America, and you've not seen a Joshua Boazzi fight before. He's di- buried deep on the undercard. He's a light heavyweight from Great Britain who won a bronze for us at the 2016 Olympics. He's the the um, British light heavyweight champion, a fantastic talent. They find him very difficult to match. Try and take a look at him if you get a chance, because uh, you might be seeing his name in a bit bigger and a bit further up the up the bill in the future, I suspect. Well, forgive me because you prompted me actually that, hey, there are a couple of fighters or fights to pay attention to. Uh, so uh, that's one. G- give me another one because I know Callum Smith is on this card as well, defending his uh, 168-pound title, his WBA championship. Who, el- who else might stand out on the undercard of Joshua Ruiz real quick, David? <laughs> Okay, real quick. Well, the, the Callum Smith is a big fight, but it's a showcase. He's up against his opponent, and he should beat. And of course, we've got the great Katie Taylor in a. She'll she'll round off the unification of the lightweight belt, uh, lightweight belts uh, in the women's uh, sport. And Katie Taylor is a fantastic uh, boxer, male or female, fantastic to watch. Yeah, but look out for that. And also, young Josh Kelly. Just going back to our history, he's facing off against the tricky Ray Robinson. Um, so that should be a good fight as well. One of our British prospects against Ray Robinson at uh, Madison Square Gardens. Uh, you couldn't write it, could you? <laughs> you can't, and you got to be careful. It's not a descendant of the Sugar Ray Robinson, no, no, who, by no. the way, fought Jake LaMotta very famously at Madison Square Garden in the 1950s. Uh, and, and they fought, what, five times? They fought six times? Did they fight 12 times? LaMotta and Robinson <laughs> were never uh, uh, opposed to fighting each other and rematching each other over and over again. They almost they almost became like family members they fought so many times uh, back well, in the day. Well, they were certainly blood brothers. They yeah. were certainly blood brothers. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. Uh, okay, so again, that's the undercard. And again, Joshua and Ruiz. We're hoping that they don't push this later and later and early and earlier, in your case, in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, but Joshua Ruiz, probably somewhere around 11, 11.30 Eastern time, U.S. time. That's, oh, I'm yawning very early, 4, 4.30 a.m. in the U.K. And even and even uh, an earlier uh, rise in other parts of the, of the world, too. So we'll see. We'll see what time that one gets on and see how long it lasts in that uh, unified heavyweight title defense. For Britain's Anthony Joshua. David Payne, thank you. I always uh, enjoy the conversation, enjoy the insight. Keep up the great work. My pleasure, TJ. Catch you next time. Always seems that our next guest is batting cleanup here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. He's back. He is the lead writer. He is the overseer. He is the chief cook, bottle washer, and everything else that gets done at BigFightWeekend.com. Love to catch up with Marquise Johns uh, weekly now, talking about the sweet science. So we've already heard from Antonio Tarver, the magic man, and David Payne, the boxing writer, on this Anthony Joshua fight. I want to get your feelings from the standpoint, because we talked about it a couple of times already. We know Wilder got the blowout win, Marquise. So right away... 
isn't it incumbent on Anthony Joshua to have an answer, to be able to come back uh, or come into the United States, but answer with a huge, spectacular knockout? So welcome, and let's just jump right in. What do you think? Absolutely, TJ. Thank you for having me on. And I really hope Anthony Joshua knocks out Andrew Ruiz in really quick fashion. I don't think he's going to be able to top what Wilder did in one round with Anthony Joshua because I think Andy, Andy Ruiz, because if Wade Ruiz moves around. But I do expect him to make a spectacular uh, entrance in regards to his USA debut. Uh, you know, I almost equate this. I haven't said it yet, but I almost equate this like Tyson in the day would would come at you, charge at you. There were numerous fights where he would charge at an opponent and blow him out in the first minute or two of the fight. I almost get the sense that if Ruiz is still on his feet, has not been knocked down, has not been rocked in the first minute, he might settle in and last a third, fourth, fifth round. It's kind of like all or nothing. If he, if he can survive that first minute or minute and a half, he's fine, but it's surviving that first minute or minute and a half. Am I making too much out of this? The start to the fight in the first minute or two of the fight. Rein me in if you need to, Marquise. No, not at all. I think you're dead on with this, TJ. I hope that really Joshua makes us a quick night for everybody in the main event of this because he has to pretty much top Wilder to end all of the bait and conversation as the multiple belt champion that he is better than Wilder and that Wilder is still waiting to fight him and he's not making it happen yet. So he has to make a statement as big as that one to make sure that he makes <laughs> quick work of Andy Luiz's, unfortunately for him. And in Ruiz's case, Ruiz fought six weeks ago in a, in a uh, PBC Fox card in California. Late replacement. We've well documented that story. Uh, it, puncher's chance, maybe. I don't know. I mean, we've we've seen a couple of guys. Uh, obviously, Pavetkin shook Anthony Joshua with a left hook in the first round of that fight, and then eventually Joshua wore him down, knocked him down, and stopped him. Klitschko had him had him hurt, didn't knock him down, but had him hurt, and Joshua responded from that with the 11th round TKO. I don't know that Andy Ruiz can shake him up, but I guess that's why we tune in to see if he can land maybe even early a big punch. I hope so, but everyone has a puncher's chance, as you know, TJ, and with Ruiz, he's been well-documented as not being a big puncher, and the last few fights that he's had, he's been having... For lack of better terms, I like to call on the podcast favorable opposition. <laughs> and 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 very rule of kind. Thumb, very it's kind. Very kind. It's it's rule of thumb. And usually with replacement fights, and people understand this more often than not, the replacement usually doesn't pull off an upset this miraculous when it involves the championship. Belt he's there the to line. get hit. He's, he's there, there to get, get hit. He's there get to, beat. He's there to get and the check. That, that's it. Right. Get a check. Now, hopefully, not get seriously hurt. Uh, and that's what uh, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing are hoping for out of this. It's an American. It is uh, somewhat credible, let's say, and he's there to get hit. Hopefully uh, hit early and, and blown out of there. We'll find out. Uh, coming up Again, uh, we, we should make mention of this. I haven't mentioned it to this point. Ru- Ruiz took an entire year off, all of 2017, because he was essentially contemplating his personal life, his home business, his contract, uh, home building business, his contracting business in Southern California uh, with a bunch of employees that work with him and for him. And, and so you wondered, is his heart back in it? He fought, he fought one time in 2018. He's fought one time this year, six weeks ago. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out for the main event. Hey, real quick, follow up on what David Payne said. Several uh, British... UK fighters, male and female, are on the undercard. Does one fighter stand out uh, from the undercard 
of this Joshua main event, the zone show that is coming from Madison Square Garden Saturday evening? I'm looking forward to David Payton may have mentioned this. Katie Taylor is always fun to watch when she's in action. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to the very opening bout is uh, Solomon uh, Kisko, the uh, French Olympian, who is actually the opening bout in this one. And he should be facing some favorable opposition as well and should make a point of a good show to open up the, the card in Madison Square Garden. I'm actually yeah. looking forward to that so fight more than anything else. Kisko and Vladimir Hernandez. I would love to mislead the audience and tell you that I knew anything about either one of them. If my, if my man Marquise doesn't know much, if anything, about either one of them, we'll find out. But again, this is part of introducing them uh, to the U.S. audience. And David was saying Josh Kelly in the welterweight, uh, he's the Commonwealth welterweight champion uh, over in, in Britain. He's, uh, he's on the card against Ray Robinson, 10-round welterweight fight. Chris Algieri on the, uh, on the card as a, as a junior welterweight. And Callum Smith, very much in the mix at 168 uh, as well. Uh, here as he holds one of the the belts at super middleweight, um, the WBA version of the belt. So those are the fights, including the female fight, Katie Taylor and Delphine uh, Pursoon, who will, who will be fighting uh, a 10-round scheduled women's lightweight bout. Those are the fighters we get introdu- introduced to, male and female, for Saturday night there on uh, DAZN. Uh, okay, so since we talked... Uh, last on the podcast, Deontay Wilder made it official through his own social media. Exact date not announced, site not announced, but it's believed to be September. Opponent will be Luis Ortiz in the rematch. Look, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it on the podcast. You already wrote this. It is two thumbs down for you, two thumbs down on this rematch, and why? I'm not a big fan of this rematch, TJ, because one, we've already seen it, and, I, and people have been throwing at me because I've been, I wrote about it for big on Big Fight Weekend. The number one defense I've gotten, besides the usual, well, if you don't like the fight, don't watch it. I always love that defense. But my personal <laughs> favorite is that it was five of the year last year, but he got knocked out, right? I mean, right? that hasn't changed anything. So well, he in, definitely in, had in, Wilder hurt. The most significant Wilder's been hurt in his career. But that being said, Wilder responded. Dropped him three rounds later with a, with a barrage of punches, then dropped him again with a big right uppercut, and that was that. I, I wonder here, uh, as a, again, I'm making reference to the previous interviews, I wonder here if, if Wilder now isn't operating on the, hey, I don't need Tyson Fury anymore game plan. I'm going to fight Ortiz. I'm going to probably fight later on Adam Konoski. The Polish-American, that, you know, last week we were talking to Keith Eidek of Boxing Scene, and he said, hey, that seems like a natural opponent. Same promotion, PBC. I wonder if Wilder just isn't operating off of the forget-you Tyson Fury uh, game plan right now. You didn't want the rematch? I'll fight two or three guys and wait for Anthony Joshua in 2020. I think so, and if I'm look, reading in between the tweet that he posted, which I thought was very intriguing when he posted the, the tweet of him fighting Ortiz, in between the initial press conferences for uh, Joshua Louise, mind you, around lunchtime on Tuesday, that he mentioned in the, the tweet itself that he's trying to avenge all his controversial losses, any, any controversy or any controversy with losses he mentioned in the tweet. Right. And, of course, that would be the, the, the quick, subtle jab, of course, to being Tyson Fury, who more than likely would have been the fight he would have had by now. And this would have been the spot where he would have had the mandatory with Brazil, and we all know how that turned out. I really, I'm really intrigued with this fight only on the small scale of 
are they making us pay for it, TJ? Because Coppinger's uh, going to Lemons and said it's going to be on uh, pay-per-view. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was on Showtime regular free TV last time that they fought. I, I can't justify paying this on pay-per-view. And I wrote for yeah, is it, like, is it going to be a $49.95, $59.95? Because, again, PBC has deals with both Fox and Showtime. Uh, which pay-per-view outlet would get it? Uh, obviously, in the Fox deal, they have X number of pay-per-views in that multi-year agreement. So this may be an obligation, Mar- uh, Marquise, to them. It may be, hey, we got to be good to them. Because, again, I'm not even clear, and you may know this, on the Pacquiao-Thurman, is that a Fox pay-per-view? Because I'm not that is sure. A I'm, I don't know if it's a Fox pay-per-view, but I know it's a pay-per-view. So it's the same, same kind of thing where... They have X number of shows on Fox and FS1, and I believe it's at least three pay-per-views in a calendar year, and it may be four, up to four, and they've only had the one. The Earl Spence, Mikey Garcia was the first foray, so maybe this is uh, the second one, and maybe there's one more in the fall, uh, later on in the fall, and we'll uh, we'll wait to see. Go ahead. Not to cut you off, DJ, there is one actually they mentioned before. It's the uh, Garcia squared. Uh, Danny Garcia is fighting Marky Garcia at some point, and that's that's being mentioned on pay-per-view as well at some point. Well, and uh, again, does the American public care enough in large numbers to buy Deontay Wilder against Luis Ortiz? You could make the argument they care enough because of Wilder and what he just did to Brazil and that punching power and the fact that when he rematched Stavern, it was a one-round blowout. So if you go by that pattern, maybe this would be potentially the same thing, and that's part of the selling point. Is he going to do to Ortiz what he did to Stavern in a rematch? We'll see for uh, for Deontay Wilder. All right, um, what else here uh, for this week, for this weekend that strikes you as we wind it down on the Big Fight Weekend podcast? I let you have the floor. What else you like here? What else is going on? Going on Saturday as well, in between for those who don't feel like dealing with the zone package and streaming service, FS1 has a fight card out of California, which has uh, Devin Alexander the Great in action against Ivan Redcash. Uh, the South Paul, uh, Paul uh, Ukrainian guy, out of uh, in, in regards to their fight as well. But mm-hmm. on the, that, that, that's that, that's the co-main event on that fight. The main event on that fight for me personally is Hugo Centino Jr. facing uh, Willie Monroe, uh, who Hugo, as you guys may know, was the guy who lost to Jamal Charlo, who currently has the belt that they fought for, who is facing Brandon Adams later on next later on at the end of the month. All right, so one of the Charlo uh, brothers has the win. Uh, Willie Monroe, by the way, has a win over Superbad, over Tony Harrison, who just upset, follow the bouncing ball. Uh, Harrison upset the other Charlo brother back in December, and they're pending a rematch coming. But Monroe beat uh, Harrison first back four years ago. So he's been a journeyman. Uh, I don't know how much of a chance he's going to have here in, in this matchup in California against Centino. We will find out, so... Fox is Fox is putting one up there on FS1 cable as well this weekend. ESPN is kind of begged off. They're going to stay away from the Joshua DeZone card and not try to compete with it. Um, and and uh, we'll see. Plenty of, plenty of extra softball, by the way, on the ESPN family of networks in the Softball World Series probably this weekend. Instead of the boxing, they'll be back with a boxing card next week. And, and by the way, the NBA Finals going on, Game 1 was Thursday night. They're not playing Game 2 till Sunday night, so it's not like ESPN and ABC have a basketball game. Uh, and that actually may help the Joshua fight with the American audience. What do you think, Marquise, that the NBA would be going on at the same time as the co-feature in the main event starting? Yeah, that was that's, that. There's no basketball on Saturday. That's pretty impressive that? on ABC. Not till Sunday night, right? They, that's, they're leaving it for bu- Sunday. That's a bizarre strategy move on on ABC's part. I'm, I'm guessing they're going to show uh, 
what is ABC show on Saturday nights now? Is it still American Idol <laughs> reruns? Know. Is it is it still Disney cartoons? I I'm haven't seen ABC. Not <laughs> exactly years. sure. I'm not exactly sure uh, what they are going to have. Um, all right, we'll find out. Anything else uh, from this week? I know. Uh, there's a couple of different uh, interesting fights that are being put together for the future. The fans always need to go to BigFightWeekend.com because we're constantly updating uh, fights that are being signed. Uh, we also go back to the historical perspective of some of the big-time fights in, in recent memory. Uh, this week we did the the Clay, the Muhammad Ali, I should say, a Sonny Liston rematch in Lewiston, Maine. We talked about that one. Uh, we, you know, we go back in time to some of those big moments whenever they come up in boxing history, including even going back 50s, 60s, 70s, if that's the case. They're going to find it all on BigFightWeekend.com, are they not? Absolutely. One spot place for all your things boxing, past, present, or future. BigFightWeekend.com. One thing I do want to mention, TJ, before we wrap this all up, uh, new WBO junior lightweight champion, uh, Jamal, 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 blah, Jamel Herring. There we go. Uh, Simplify, I was at the event last Saturday in, in beautiful Kissimmee at the uh, Knockout Kissimmee, as I'm referring to it now, is because a lot of those fights were grand opening, grand closings. He has a plethora of opponents that would have shot at his title at some point. They mentioned post-fight Berlich that they had him in the ring after the interview, uh, talking to him, giving, the, giving him the, the, the high five and the handshakes with the Marines. Add to that list as well, if, if there's a mandatory, Jeremiah Jeremiah. Nakalila out of Africa, who is the WBO uh, African champion. He wants a shot at uh, Herring as well. Don't forget and keep this in mind as well because he's making the rounds and he'll show up next week on the uh, Valdez Sanchez card for ESPN top rank. Uh, Andy Vences has been challenging Herring since at least a year and a half at this point. He's been harassing him with videos. There's TMZ YouTube videos of him doing it. He's He's been on po- over podcast interviews saying pretty much he wants Herring life or death. And, and it, it, he wants a shot at the title as well. So there's no short list of opponents for Herring for, for that belt that he just won from Mass uh, You Okay, and I, I should have b- before now, thank you for prompting me and reminding me of this. You were there ringside in attendance. How impressive was Herring in that decision win um, uh, there last weekend where uh, Inoue was, uh, was definitely – um, one of the uh, one of the premier uh, young fighters from Japan, and the end result is a victory for Jamel Herring or Ito. I'm sorry, was was one of their premier fighters uh, from Japan, young undefeated star. And how impressed were you with what Herring was able to do over the twelve rounds? I was floored at how basic Herring made Ito look halfway through that fight to the point where he was literally one dimensional. Where he would come in. He would miss and get popped with a right. That became the pattern of that fight. You could set your clock to it from six rounds on. And with I, that's the, the dedication in regards to training that he has because you could hear it at the, at the arena because I was there. I, I, I got smart enough to this that Herring was also part of the camp with Terrence Crawford, who was there as well. Mm-hmm. With uh, Bo Mack, he was part of his training corner. You can just hear Bo Mack tell me in the corner, hey, same move, stick and move. And sure enough, it was the same move. And Herring would... Herring would keep picking Ito off at any chance he got. The only trouble Herring had in that fight was towards the later rounds where they retired, they started doing some inside moves, and that was playing to Ito's advantage. But once they went back to a distance and Ito couldn't touch him, that was it. It's a great story. Two tours of duty as a Marine, including over in Iraq, uh, and goes on to win a world championship on Memorial Day weekend, kind of scripted in a way by ESPN and set into motion that that could be the storyline. You still got to go out and throw the punches and take the punches and win the fight, and that's exactly what he was able to do. Uh, Listen, I always enjoy 
uh, the the opportunity that I have uh, to break bread with you. We'll be reading this weekend preview mode for Joshua Ruiz and the undercard post fight stuff. All of it on Big Fight Weekend. And where can they find you on social media, young man? They can find me on social media, as always, at Weak Sauce Radio, all one word. If there's a fight on TV, I'm probably watching it. If it's on the stream somewhere, I'm probably watching it. Just find me up there. I'm probably talking about boxing usually more times than not. And it's always fun to talk with me. Talk, Follow me. I'll follow you. You know, you hear some box, some boxing folks was like, well, who, I don't know. Well, they'll follow you, but they'll never follow you back. I will follow you. I will add you. At me. It's always fun. Yeah, well, and this guy mixes it up and, again, stays on it even, or even early in the day when the fights are going on. Mar- I don't know when Marquise sleeps when he's wa- on the weekends, when he's watching all these fights at all hours of the day and night, because sometimes they're fighting in the middle of the night uh, in Japan or Australia or wherever, but he's on it. Follow him at Weak Sauce Radio as part of this. Um, all right. Uh, fi- hey, final prediction before you go. Joshua in what round? We both believe Joshua wins. Joshua wins in what round Saturday night? I'm going to give Luis some credit because he had some Snickers. I'm going to say round three. He's going down. Right, so down. Ruiz out in round three. So let's see if he lasts the first bell or not. Uh, that's the that's the big challenge. I say again, if he gets out of the first minute and a half or two minutes, this might go five, six, seven rounds. But can he get out of the first minute or so? Because you know Joshua wants to be spectacular after a while. Absolutely. Marquise, thank you. Thanks, DJ. And there we go. That'll do it. We thank Marquise Johns for hopping on here. Again, read him all weekend at BigFightWeekend.com. My thanks also to David Payne, the boxing writer, helping preview Joshua and Ruiz from over in England. Great insight from him. What will happen here? Will it be a quick stoppage? We'll find out. Also, the champ. It is Tarver time. Whenever we get a chance to talk to the magic man, Antonio Tarver, uh, not just about the fights that are uh, upcoming this weekend, but the progress of his son, Antonio Tarver Jr., as a middleweight fighter, uh, winning on his card last weekend in Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, Love talking to uh, the magic man, Antonio Tarver, about all of it. So uh, again, thanks to the guests. Thanks to you for being with us. Reminder, subscribe. Whether you found us through Red Circle Podcasting, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Podcast will come automatically to you, usually on Fridays, late morning, early afternoon. Ding on your phone, on your iPad. You'll get a brand new edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. And we look forward to seeing what Anthony Joshua was going to do here in this matchup. So keep it keep it locked in with us. Keep it locked in all weekend on BigFightWeekend.com on the website. Marquise does a great job. I help supplement there along with some others with the great content in the preview mode, the recap mode, the historical perspective of the sport. We love the sport of boxing. And however you found us, keep it locked in to BigFightWeekend.com and the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. I'm TJ Reeves. Look for Joshua to win and win early in his U.S. debut and defend that heavyweight title against Andy Ruiz. And then we'll be talking about it again soon. And how soon will we see Joshua and Deontay Wilder? Who knows? That's probably a 2020 fight. We'll find out. Let's see what goes down at the Garden on Saturday. Thank you for being with us as part of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast.